We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here from my crib because I just landed on my flight from London back to Vegas about two hours ago. Because of that, everyone's recording at home. Shout out to producer Cole Bebe, who has the full setup going from his crib. Uh, the mad genius is always here with the old man, Andreas Hale who is baby free, well, baby free cries right now. The baby's still lurking in the background, but I have yet to hear this baby cry once. So I still think he's talking shit on the baby for no reason. Just trying to put heat on the baby. The baby's doing nothing wrong. But the old man is here joining us. Uh, Man, fresh off 11 hour flight. That means that these two are going to take it easy on me today. Absolutely not. (laughs) This this, this is what it means. They have to take it easy on me because before, as you guys know, if you've been listening, before I went to London, me, a producer called Bebe, have a bet. I bet that the Brooklyn Nets were going to beat the Boston Celtics. Cole's hubris was at an all-time high for his Celtics. I was like, oh, I got him. Easy. KD, Kyrie. First round exit, no way. Maybe get Ben Simmons back game two or three, coasting. <laughs> Producer Cole Bebe laid out all the stats in front of me. I said, no, get out of here with your stats. It's like, let's make a gentleman's bet. He's growing his beard back out kind of nicely now after he trimmed it the other day. Doesn't look like it matters. But the bet was facial hair, baby face for a month versus my DCs. And uh, it's become a trademark. Shout out to everyone on Twitter who has hit me up with DC pictures and now suggestions of other kicks I can get <laughs> um, in case this bet goes sour. By the time you listen to this, uh, I think game four will be tonight. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Hopefully they don't get swept. At least, at least get a gentleman suite there. Let me rock the DCs for a couple more days. I just need to get mm-hmm. into studio on Wednesday, still wearing the DCs. Like if they lose and get swept, then we won't even see these on the desk one more time. That's all I want. So put them on the desk one more time with some like melodic music playing in the background. 
it's it's gonna be a sad day on Wednesday, people. So uh, yeah, it's not looking good. Brooklyn Nets are letting me down. Bro, listen, listen. Marcus Vandenberg said it best. He said he wants to leave the DCs in the studio, turn the lights off. It's like leaving your gloves in the ring <laughs> for your last match. It's over. It's gonna be it the, is over. I'm gonna hit the Undertaker pose, just a fist in the air. <laughs> just yep. Just, just walk out. But, but look, man. Here's the worst part about this bet. You might as well just call it quits. Game four is Monday night. Ben Simmons did the Magic Johnson. I'm not going to be there. <laughs> he ain't showing up. They, they, they're done. That team is cooked. There's nothing left. It's over. It is it's over. It's not great, man. It's not looking good. Coming back from 3-0 against a team like the Celtics. I Okay, so now I've been watching, thanks to the bet, and Cole did not undersell this defense at all. Like, as soon as it hits fourth quarter, the defense – they're not even like to the point where they got to like play defense all game because they'll let like Brooklyn have the little runs or whatever. And then like Brooklyn will go up a little bit. Game three aside where Brooklyn got smacked for some reason and really wasn't in it. But Brooklyn had a lead in the fourth quarter pretty deep in both games one and two, game one all the way till the end. But it's like something about when Marcus Smart gets on the court in the last three minutes. No one knows what the hell to do. Al Horford's playing like he's 24. Like he went back home to the Dominican and they doctored the birth certificate. The man's like fresh out of Florida. I, I don't understand this. Somewhere Joe Kim Noah's looking at the screen like, yo, I was the better person. Listen, How is this guy still crushing it right now? Listen, this, 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 is, really, this is really easy, right? I told you when the trade happened, I, I mentioned on the last podcast, if Ben Simmons plays and the team has a chance to jail, they have a chance. They had no chance. Steve Nash is a horrible coach. Steve I'm Nash learning is, this now. <laughs> Steve Nash has run zero plays for Kevin Durant except for ISOs. That's the only thing he runs for Durant. Just give him the ball and let him do stuff. Not running him off of screens, not giving goes, nothing. They're just playing hero ball out there. You can't beat a team like Boston, who has, again, one of the most underrated duos in all of the NBA with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, with Marcus Smart running point, with Al Horford finding his youth again. Williams is back too? Listen, first of all, the fact that you made this bet and don't watch the regular season is baffling to me. If you watched the regular season and saw that Boston got off to a slow start and then figured it out, and then down the stretch was completely unbeatable, and now Jason Tatum is the best player on the court by a country mile. He outscored. He outscored me all of this. Kel thoughts. Told me all of this. He, all the look, death. he outscored KD and Kyrie Irving in game three by himself. Yeah, that's... By himself. I saw the stat sheet, and I was just like, damn, like, they don't even want me to win. Like, KD heard about the better something. I was like, fuck it, we're just going to try next year. I told like, you, KD, KD hates the DCs, probably. Listen, listen, K, I told you, KD's heart is questionable. The talent is not. The heart is questionable. Kyrie Irving is delusional. The man went to the post-fight press conference and said, oh, you know, the Celtics had a chance to jail since December. You know why you didn't get a chance to jail? Because you want to get the shot, you dummy. Like, <laughs> yeah. how you, well, it's your fault. This yeah, was your fault true. that the team didn't get to jail. You could only play on road games. This is your fault. It's ugly, man. Cole, how are you feeling about that? I'll give you, I'll give you the mic, Cole. So I, you feel, can, you I, feel, I feel really good. Um <laughs> Look, uh, you know, I I had to deal with a, an entire week of uh, 
several people looking at me like I was crazy for saying the Celtics in five. I said the Celtics in five. I didn't actually even say what I really wanted to say because I was already (laughs) getting crazy enough looks. And I was like, I don't want to be like, I'm confident, but I don't want to be like that guy. That's just my character. What can I say? Right. So I really just should have gone full in. Um, Yeah, I think, you know, game game one was, I mean, game one was, it turns out, their best shot because that was the best performances they got out of either Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving. And even Kevin Durant shooting as poorly as he did in game one, he still got 20 free throws. Kyrie Irving had a game where he goes off. And Kyrie, like, the thing about Kyrie, having watched Kyrie for a year and a half of Celtics basketball, he is, while incredibly talented, very streaky as a shooter, very streaky. And, and every once in a while he, he does that heat check from like 28 feet out to go like, am I hot? Um, and he did one of those like late in the fourth quarter, uh, last game and it just clanked off the rim. And he's like, okay, cool. Nope. I'll see you next game. I'll see you in the back. Bye. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I'll give the, I'd love to give the Celtics defense a little more credit than just showing up in the fourth quarter. They've been, unbelievable on Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Bruce Brown looks like the best player on the Nets, um, which is good for us. That means we're doing something right. It should um, down KD something serious. Uh, Kevin Durant, I've, I... That is an all-game thing. To be I fair, have they not shut down seen, the entire Nets squad in the fourth quarter. I have KD not has seen, been shut down the whole game. Yeah, I've not seen Kevin Durant shut down like this ever. Um, and, uh, I mean, I knew, you know, it's a combination of factors. The Celtics defense being as physical as they are and being as in sync as they have been over this past, uh, the, uh, the last 35 games of the year where they went 28 and seven, like the defense became this scary machine that even I was like watching and going like, whoa. And this was after, again, the Celtics had gone through a stretch where they were literally over a hundred games, a 500 ball club. And it was hard to watch because it was just like, oh, they might be on a roll. Oh, no, they're no longer on a roll. And it was just this constant state of mediocrity. And then it was a combination of Jason Tatum figured out how to be a playmaker in this offense. That was step number one, which he was already getting better at, but now he's at an elite playmaking level. Robert Williams became basically a free safety in the defense, and that changed the whole defensive identity. And then on top of that, their physicality from one through five with all units on the court, and that included trading for Derek White. Rand Williams has been playing unbelievable. Um, even Peyton Pritchard has been out there balling Peyton his butt Pritchard. off. Balling his butt off. And like he and even for his size, he's playing hard nosed defense. Like everybody chips in on the defensive end. There's no weak link. Derek White comes in, no weak link. It's just Daniel Tice comes in, no weak link. I mean it's it's a it's a really special team, and that's why I've I don't remember ever feeling this confident in a Celtics bunch in the last few years. Even the year they were in the conference finals against Miami, uh, it, it just wasn't the same. Just like Tatum wasn't quite the same kind of person. Bubbles weird. Kemba was his knee was already starting to fade. Um, yeah, it's gone about just as well as it could. In game one, I definitely got a lot of texts of people. Uh, I, I have an, I actually have another bet going, and I won't name names. Um, but a, someone who plays football, uh, did bet a hundred bucks that the Nets would beat Celtics. And yeah. At least I'm not the only one losing in this. One. And yeah, he was giving me the smoke and I said, okay, I've already got one bet going, man. Why not make it two? So I may end up with a hundred bucks and, uh, at a pair of DCs. 
to uh, really yeah. cut a really sweet promo on because uh, you know yeah, it's gonna been, be all bad. I thinking, need like a ceremony. Like we got to make it. Feel we'll get special. you a ceremony, but but like Kel, lights. Kel, I'm just gonna let you know right now. Um, I have some thoughts as to what I'm going to do with those DCs. I'm just saying. I'm sure everyone is is very intrigued by these thoughts. <laughs> That's a tease. Oh my god! It's uh... but gotta win game four. Gotta win game four. Just sweep yes. up, get him out of here. Ben Simmons we... has a doctor's note, so he will not be he will not be on the court. I'm preparing on my end to figure out what's the next move for the for my shoe game. So <laughs> I'm I'm now like thinking forward. Like, all right, I think hey. I think I got a good idea of where I'm going. Um, where I'm going next and people ask me all the time like oh are you just gonna get rid of DCs and like go to like another pair of skater kicks like no 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 like I am I'm cool like I am going to lean into it I'm going to respect the bet I'm not just gonna go out there and cop like a pair of Osiris that look exactly the same um no I'm, I'm going to just switch up the whole the whole shoe look mm-hmm. for me so yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see what what that entails. I'll put them on the desk when I do get new kicks. I can promise people this: it won't be like Jordans or anything. Like I'm not dropping two hundred dollars on a pair of sneakers, but I'm pretty sure they'll look better than the DCs to many other people. I love the DCs how they look, but to how other people I portray my DCs, I'm sure they'll be happy with my my next choice. Let me upgrade you. No, Dre. No, no, no. I've seen your your sneaker shopping habits. I can't do it. I can't. I can't get into that world. You You got a problem. You don't have to. (laughs) Just, just the DCs are gone. What are you gonna do? Feelers, Pumas. Where are you going with? Oh, Fila. I did see that they brought the original Grand Hills back. I saw them at like Foot Action not too long ago. But no, no, no. I gotta. Means he's been shoe shopping. Just gotta get in the zone. I may have, I may have gone to a sneaker shop, like, and just looked and, and browsed. I'm in, I'm rent free in your head, Cal. I'm rent free. <laughs> Game three broke me, Cole. <laughs> like I, I had to look at this point. I had to come to grips with, and, and shout, I forgot who said it on Twitter, and they were like, "Kel is not that you're even making bad bets anymore." Because this bet is better than all the other bets technically I've had with Dre. So, like, I'm getting better at betting. He said, it's not that. (laughs) He says, at this point, you're just the jinx. He was like, you can go with an overwhelming favorite and you would lose because your betting is that jinx. Mm. It's like the curse of the Bambino was. Like, at this point, like, I I need to find my Pedro Martinez. But I don't know. Like, yeah, he called me Drake. No matter who I bet on, if I put a bet down, it is going to go wrong for me. And I'm starting to believe this now. It's not, it's not looking good. Because this was actually like, on paper, you look, you'd be like, yo, Kel, this is a pretty good bet. It wasn't no, good. It wasn't no good. odds, no nothing. Mm-mm. Nope. It wasn't good. Uh, this one hurt, man. But, but so, to, to be fair, you know, uh, Kel, the thing was, is you weren't alone. You weren't alone. There were a lot of people out there. Um, in, in fact, uh, the uh, your employer, the Worldwide Leader, has some writers that uh, make predictions. And uh, nine to seven. Nine to seven of them. Pick the Nets. Oh, 
I'm surprised that. And I, 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 I made this cool. well documented on, uh, on, on, on Twitter uh, as to who was picking the Nets because I wanted to see who really paid attention this year, and you know. You know, there I weren't a lot of people who paid attention this year. So you're not alone, Kel, by, by any means. You did, you, you made, it was coming from a rational spot. The problem was, is I, I knew you were in trouble. Yeah. Everyone else. Who, and even the people who picked the Celtics, they all picked seven. Cowards, all of them. <laughs> all of them. I will, I, as, as I was, I will lean to, to, to my, my heel basketball character. I'm, I'm I'm over at everything else, but I'm, I'm generating heat. It's great. Although now maybe the DC is getting me over. Now, now I've gone. Oh, now yeah. I may have like entered Stone Cold territory now. Oh, it's a clear double turn. Yeah. Like at first, like you tried playing the heel, yeah, and then the DCs completely got you over. It's all bad. Now, shout out immediately, Dre. When I put in the group chat when we made it, Dre and everyone else was like, "I don't even care about the Celtics, but I'm rooting for the Celtics now." I was like, it's incredible how much heat the DCs have. Not even me, just the DCs themselves. People want to see them go down. They want. They have go home heat. They do. They Your do. DCs have go home heat. They're Get Baron Corbin. My <laughs> DCs are Baron Corbin. Get them so yeah, it's it's all bad. So like I said, I, I looked in a, a sneaker shop or two while I was in London. I wasn't gonna cop anything in London. So no, I didn't buy anything. It was a little cold. I didn't buy a jacket. Um, you just I rocked my sweater. That's the next bet, by the way. He has to go buy a jacket. Oh, uh, the next thing is a coat. <laughs> Here's the crazy thing. So so he goes to London and he refuses to wear a coat again. And you know, who I didn't refuse it? to wear a coat. I don't own a coat, so I didn't yes. pack one. But <laughs> but you go to London where it's it's always rainy and it's always cold. You still wear a mask because you don't want coronavirus. You won't wear a coat because you like pneumonia. So I, I just don't understand the, the logic here. Just wear a mask and protect myself from COVID. But, you know, I might get pneumonia and die because I'm, I'm refusing to wear a coat. The next bet will be for you're going to wear a coat. That's it. Yeah, like, it's just bulky. Like, it was cool. I was a little cold, mostly my head. If I just had, like, a beanie or something. But eventually I put my hood up every now and then. And I was, I was fine at, at Wembley. But the whole London experience, um, to say outside of me just looking at sneaker stores, London was like a pretty cool town. Like after going there, seeing the sights, saw a double-decker bus. They still had telephone booths, which I I popped for as a Harry Potter fan. Um, Just, yeah, walking around, seeing all that story stuff. Big Ben checked out that whole area, went to the palace, all this stuff. It, it was cool, just and I went by myself, just like one morning. Took the tube, and uh, shout out to New York, who's who's seasoned me on taking the train, random places. So I just hopped on the train, got down there. It was it was dope. Like in terms of, it was my first time overseas. Like I have been to Mexico, other country. I mean, my family's in Puerto Rico, but that doesn't count. It's a territory. Like outside, of, like it's the first time I've been overseas. So it's just like, okay, like it's something I I can get used to. And uh, I was scarred by movies like Hostel and other random shit like Taken and shit like that. So I would never like, I, I never wanted to travel overseas. I was like, yo, I'm not getting kidnapped. And and that's like on some real shit. But now I went, I was like, oh, it's cool. Like, 
Yeah, no just... one bothered me. It, it was I, and the food wasn't as bad as they made it out to be. Did you eat Nando's? I did eat Nando's. Did you get the butterfly chicken? I did. This did is my problem. Peri- did you get the peri peri sauce? I did. The peri peri sauce is fire. Fire. Spicy. The spiciest. Spicy, one? of course. Spiciest. What were your sides? I got the spiciest one, and then I got garlic, oh. and like had them side by side in case, like you know, because that's very spicy if you're eating like all that. I got um double fries, double chips. It's good though. Nando's is good shit. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know if I could trust the coleslaw or not. So, but they had spicy rice. Spicy rice was, is good. Is it? Damn, I should have got the spicy rice. Because I was like, yo, is this like the dirty rice from Popeye's that they got rid of? Because that was my shit. And I'm <laughs> still bring tight. That, listen, they need to bring that shit back like the Mexican pizza, <laughs> goddammit. Yeah, that dirty rice. I'm still mad. What? Ooh, fire. What that dirty rice was incredible. I'm still mad at Popeye's. I'm not sure if I eat a three-piece spicy since. Just I'm because not. they don't got that. They ruined the whole game with that shit. Very disrespectful. So, London's yeah. nice, though, man. Like, London's nice. It's It's cold. Um, and I know we're gonna talk about the the Fury White fight, but now that you've gotten had a chance to see that atmosphere for a fight, you come home to a fight and you're like, "What the fuck is this?" Because at Wembley, that's that atmosphere is nuts. It's just a different kind of noise. It's weird. It is a different kind of noise. Like it was legit ninety thousand people. Like that shit was crazy. Singing "Sweet Caroline" and like all the songs and everything. Like, yeah, that's it's wild. Um. The event itself was run by Queensberry Promotions. So it was, we, we've we been covering fights long enough where, you know, Matchroom, The Zone, Top Rank, um, Showtime, PBC, they're used to these big events, stadium shows, everything. It was very interesting to see like a smaller promotion run lead on something this big. And uh, it was a bit unruly. So they had media seats, but it was just the front row, like of normal seats. So you had to have your laptop on your lap. <laughs> and like people behind us at points during the fight just started like creeping up on us. And then after the fight ended up like just walking in front and like taking over and we're in a swarm and we couldn't get out. Security did nothing. Security was worse than the ref in the main event. They did nothing to control anything that was going on in the venue. Um, at one point, I saw a chick who was like 25, had to be like 25 with her boyfriend. They were watching a the fight. They were they would later start arguing with each other, but that's whatever. But at, it was like co-main, third, third to last fight. Broad day. She's in the second row. I'm in the first media row. She's in the second row. Pulls out something, takes a bump right there. Like it's nothing in front of everybody. Looks up, says, starts doing like a selfie video, selfie video with her boyfriend. No lie. Whole tip pops out. Boom. Whole thing. Nipple out to the world. He, everyone's just like, yo, he's not going to say anything. I'm just like, Minute and a half. When I gone, they were high as a kite, both of them. And I was like, UK's a weird place. Because if you go second row anywhere else, you ain't seeing like 25-year-old, he's tatted up like a young Travis Barker. 
so it's one of those things where it's like i don't know man it 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 was it was weird it's it's one of the only places and it's been a long time since i've seen this in boxing where you see common people get really good seats yeah and then that no and that's what made it weird still my favorite venue ever is mgm grand to watch a big fight like it still is but this is probably a close second but it got to the point where i was like yo i gotta get out of here these people are crazy mike coppinger almost got slapped by a woman like (laughs) she was encroaching on his space almost knocked over his laptop he said excuse me she flipped her shit like almost slapped him evan corn got called a a big dasa by an eight-year-old it was (laughs) i can't wait to see evan this week oh my god it was one of those where it's like it was like the Floyd interview in the ring. It was like, if I was 60 years younger, I'd kick your ass. It's like one of those things. But Evan was like, if I was eight years old, I would knock you the hell out, little kid. Like, Evan was just looking like, what am I supposed to say to this eight-year-old? Um, yeah, it was un- unruly down there after the fight. But that adds to the charm, I guess. It was, yeah, it was a good card. Tommy Fury opened it up. Which it was, was not cool. a good card. Stop, stop. That card. Just- oh. Rash. Oh, it was good because it was quick. I loved it. Good, good, quick heart flew by. There was two fights, well, yeah. non-pay-per-view. Time. Two fights, non-pay-per-view, E plus. That's it. And then it kicks on, and Tommy Fury goes quick, but that's a six-rounder. Then we have he's, a four-rounder. He sucks, um, by the way. He he looked good enough in this he fight. Sucks. He, sucks. he did what he had to do. Um, so he did that. That's cool. And now people are saying Jake Paul's ducking him. So he changed the narrative. That's all he has to do. Who is saying this? My entire comment section. Like, I don't get shit out of thin air. Like, you go through ringside comments, everyone's like, Jake Paul, duck, duck, duck. Oh, this guy's facing real boxers, 11-1 boxer. Um, Every every boxing journalist that I know that, I mean, even just combat, Luke Thomas, Dan Raphael, everybody was like, Jake will beat the shit out of Tommy Fury. He sucks. I'd like to see it. Tim Bradley on commentary was like, this guy sucks. (laughs) He stinks. (laughs) Tim was keeping it a buck. Because here's the thing. Tommy Fury's total combined opponent's record, which we'll get deeper into at another date. But they think they won a grand total like 20 fights, and they've lost like 70. They all suck. But this guy was 11 and 1. Who cares? He's a. You could tell he was a bum. Tommy could have got him out of there at any point. Tommy yeah, yeah. sucks. He Jake Paul would drag there. him. Jake Paul should take that fight at Wembley. Not at Wembley. Somewhere in the UK. Jake Paul beat the shit out of Tommy Fury. I promise you that. Oh, shit. I'm not Tommy betting Fury's on not that. Good. Yeah, no, I don't believe it. So, sounds like know. a bet for a coat? No. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. no t- me t- up. Tommy Fury's hot gar- garbage. But that undercard was trash. Like, I was watching it, and I was like, this is, you know, it's, it's 11 a.m. in Vegas when the undercard starts, when oh, the pay-per-view yeah. starts. And I'm watching, I'm like, damn, I'm, it's a good thing it started early in the day because I'll be sleep watching this shit. It yeah. stinks. Well, Tommy brought the intrigue and did crazy numbers for me, so shout out to Tommy. And then the Adelaide dude couldn't get the big man out of there. Yo. Big man with the belly, which, hey, dad bods unite. Like, that guy, I was like, why is he still in this fight? And then the ref stopped it. I was like, he's not even hurt. Yeah, he got punched up a good one. But, yo, he was so slow. His footwork was terrible. To have that as, like, your third fight on the card, oh, my God. It was a one-fight show. 
and I and all I was watching for the atmosphere. That's that's oh, all I was doing. It was a two fight show. Don't don't degrade Tommy like that. Like, I am Tommy, degrading. That was, a good, that, that was a good narrative. What was it that he sucks? That he has to earn the Paul fight, fighting some guy that nobody's ever heard of, and they couldn't yeah. get him out of there when he had him hurt. Yeah, he did that, enough. No, no, he looked he impressive. He, he had one knockdown. Tommy Fury is not good. He's, He's good not. enough to fight Jake Paul. That's all you got to be. He'll get put to sleep. I'd like to see it. <laughs> like, I mean, it, it's the fight that should happen next. Yeah. I mean, J- Jake did say, he was like, well, I'm going to keep an eye on, Andrew, on Anderson Silva. And I was like, man, eh, you should probably stay away from that guy. Please. Go fight Tommy Fury, though. Yeah, Anderson Silva's bigger. He's fought for way longer than you even knew what the hell hand-to-hand combat was. Yeah. Anderson Silva puts him to sleep. Probably. Unless there's some sort of handshake deal, Silva knocks him smooth out. So, yeah, no, stay away from him until the end, because that will be that. That'd be, that's it. You get knocked out by one of the greatest mixed martial artists ever. That's, this isn't a wrestler. You know, this, this isn't Woodley. Like, the keys has been around the game long enough where you'd be like, yeah, not, not this one, kid. (laughs) Like, no, no, not, not ever. You don't go with him. He got hands. So, uh, yeah, no, no, stay, stay clear of Anderson Silva. I'll take a six-year-old Anderson Silva against, like, how old would Jake be? Like, 35? Whatever it is, yeah. I'm still taking Anderson Silva in that fight. But, yeah, and then third fight after that wasn't nothing to speak about. Co-main, Co-main was a good fight. Because old boy beat the brakes off of Tyson Fury's dude. Yeah, but, I mean, again, this was like a... This is, I mean, we're, I mean, we'll spend the next segment talking about Tyson Fury, but the, I mean, I didn't expect the Sunday card to be good. Boy, it sucked. Like, I was watching, I was like, man, when is UFC going to start so I can put that on my other screen? Cause I'm bored. Sir, there's a lot of, a uh, lot of money tied up into Tyson Fury. Oh, I know. <laughs> not not I know. enough to pay anybody else. I know, but it's just, God damn. And, it, you know, fortunately for me, I get to expense all these fights. So I'm, you know, I pay for it and I was like, good thing I don't have to pay for that shit. 70 bucks? God damn. It was $70? 70 bucks. $70 oh. pay-per-view. Well, shout out to me having to unlock the ESPN Plus. I'm about to go watch it uh, to see how the broadcast was, but I will only be watching the main event. I'm not watching the whole thing. Uh, no, I just need to see the main event and see how it came across on TV. Um, yeah, but speaking of the main event, I guess... We'll just actually roll into it now. And then second segment, we'll touch on everything else coming up and preview everything else. Um, Tommy Fury, or excuse me, Tyson Fury, puts on one hell of a show. And the bigger the venue, the bigger the atmosphere, the bigger he rises to the occasion. Because <clears throat> even Dillian White, who did no promo outside of like till Friday, they still had good moments. I was like, yo, you know what? Like, the way ends, he tickles him. And then, like, there, it didn't have to be, like, a beef for them to bring intrigue to it. Like, for some reason, I was like, I know they're going to beat the hell out of each other. But I like this, like, hey, we were friends in 2010. Like, we can be friends. Like, hey, old friend, I haven't seen you in a while. So, like, they, they were really cool about that. I, I thought the buildup was perfect. The entrance, even for Dillian White, was really dope. I thought like the the giant howl and he got booed, booed like a mo. That's yeah. talking about cheers. Cheers drown out 
like to me, like there are so many tears for Tyson Fury. You hear the music, boos, they echo when it's 90,000 people booing you. That shit was crazy. I don't even know what song Dillian White came out to. I don't remember. There was some rock song, I think. Um, Back in Black. Ah, uh, yes, yes. I only heard the beginning because then I heard nothing but booze. And <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, cool. Um, but that was a good entrance. And then Tyson Fury coming out on Throne, coming out to Biggie. One, I had to stop. I was just like, there's people who don't have Biggie in their top five. Like, <laughs> I just heard 90,000 people in a different country. Yeah. Word for word, sing a song from a guy who died at 24 years old from Brooklyn. Yeah. Like, this is 30 years after his death. And people are, 90,000 people are singing this. I was like, yo, yeah, this is just amazing. So, yeah, Fury's whole entrance was incredible. Hey, um, hey, we say it all the time. Everything is pro wrestling. That everything. entrance was 110% pro wrestling. Pro wrestling would make so many other things better in life. <laughs> presidential debates would be better if they were had pro oh wrestling angles. Oh my god, yes. Everything would be better, right? That entrance was completely pro wrestling. It was funny because I'm I'm watching that entrance. And I was like, this is amazing. The pyro. Yep. And I texted Big E and I was like, damn man, you you did the entrances for Wilder Fury. Like we were just tripping out about that shit. We we're like, god damn. And he was like, yo, everything is pro wrestling. Like literally everything is pro wrestling. That entrance was what 16 minutes long? Yeah. To the point where he had to sprint after a second because he he mistimed it. He was taking everything in. No, but it was it was so that's what MMA is missing, right? So many people were talking about that entrance alone and yep. sharing it on social media. No, there's no MMA entrances that are like that. No, guys, last one was Izzy Izzy dancing. Yeah, they put the the kibosh on that. Yeah, and Dana was like, oh, I didn't really like that. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Like, <laughs> let these people have personality, man. Like, Tyson Fury, part of the allure is the personality. And that entrance embodies who Tyson Fury is. And seeing that in motion and watching that, people don't even like boxing. They're like, holy shit, that's amazing. Yep. That's what you need. That entrance was everything. Almost longer than the fight. Almost. Damn near. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it was as grand as you would think it is, I think it would be for a homecoming fight, right? Like, so he got the Anthony Joshua treatment. Yes. Which which is what it had to be because yes. Anthony Joshua, his entrances are, are full pro wrestling. He gets the Triple H package when he goes there. Like, he gets the Cody Rhodes. Like, how much pyro you got? I'm going to need that plus more. Like, <laughs> he's just he calling a pyro guy. But no, Fury, it was great. Gets to the ring. Dillian White, to his credit, looked like he was in pretty good shape when he got in there. Oh, yeah, he was in great shape. Yeah, Tyson. Fantastic shape. Tyson Fury in way better shape than he was for Deontay Wilder. 14 pounds down, I think, from that Wilder fight. He weighed in, or 13 and a half. Um, but he alluded to it, like, especially in the post-fight press conference, that, you know, for the Wilder fight, this last one, he really didn't get to train the last month. Like he had a sick baby and he talked about like his baby's heart stopping when they were in the hospital on the floor and like he had to re- help resuscitate his baby. And then the baby pulled through and it was Nick, and like he wouldn't leave until he saw that the baby was healthy and ready to come home. So he wasn't training. And uh, I was like, man, I, I get that, you know? And he's just like, I came in how I came in. 
So I gave it 278 or 277. It was like, fuck it. I'm just figure this out. Um, but he came in a way better shape for this fight. I, I thought everything lined up. And then the fight starts. And immediately you're like, man, these guys are having fun. Before they like try to beat the hell out of each other. You're like, they're having fun. Dillian White comes out in Southpaw. So Fury comes out orthodox. And then um, Dillian White figures out like, yo, I can't land my best punch, which is this body blow out of Southpaw. Because Tyson Fury is just getting out of the way too easily. So he switched orthodox. And then Tyson Fury comes out in Southpaw just to fuck with him in the second round. And then, then they both get into it in like the third, fourth. There was a judge. One of the judges gave the third and fourth round to Dillian White. And I'm not exactly sure what they were watching. It was a crime. Yeah, but the other cards were were more realistic of what happened. I, I don't know if Dillian White run around, in my eyes, to be to be fair. But, you know, Tyson Fury constantly made him miss. Dillian White, I think, through five rounds, was landing five punches around. And as it got towards the fourth and fifth round, it was getting embarrassingly bad on how much he was missing. And... Tyson Fury's head movement is great, right? Like, he kind of, he fights like Jim Carrey. And me, myself, and Irene, like, he's always, like, level changing and, like, coming at you. Uh, yeah, but this this fight, he really, you, you look, you'd be like, yo, that guy's so big. If you want to hit him to the body, how do, how do you miss that? Like, you, if you see his trunk, just, you know, aim, aim for the, the, the little manhandle on the side. But you, he couldn't land a body shot. Body shots where he was tearing Anthony Joshua up with, where he beat the hell out of Pavekin and wore him down before he got uppercutted to hell. Because he was about to stop Pavekin. I think he dropped him twice in the round before, and Pavekin caught him with an uppercut, sent him to the next round. But everyone else, at worst, he's been able to hit with these body shots. Couldn't put it on Fury. The range was just in and out. And then, of course, the jab, because of that length, he never had to get close enough to get hit. So Dillian White was swinging wildly. And then the pace just seemed like they were going along. It was going to be another dominant Tyson Fury decision win. And then we have the sixth round. And Dre, you got to explain to me how the hell at this point in his career can Dillian White not stop an uppercut? It's the only way you lose. I mean, all right, so let's put it like this. I, first of all, I, I said it was going to be a knockout. There was, I, there was no way this fight was going the distance. Tyson Fury is too big, too strong. Has all the tools to knock out Dillian White. Dillian White doesn't recover well from getting hurt. Yeah. And this was a perfect example of that. Anthony Joshua sent him to hell. Oscar Rivas hurt him. Joseph Park, who doesn't even punch big, hurt him. The uppercut worked because Tyson Fury didn't throw it the whole fight. He set it up for, from round two. He started setting up the uppercut by going high. He would dig like a, um, a like a, a short uppercut to the body to see how Dillian will react. And then he would start feigning the jab a little bit more. He was, I said on Twitter, he's chipping away at the stone until he finds that it's about to break. And then he's going to break it. Now, I'm not sure if Tyson knew he was going to knock him out with that punch, but he has set it up perfectly. Yeah. Dillian White was too small in, t- in terms of height. Five inch height advantage is significant. Right. Yeah. Like you, you have to have a certain set of tools to beat Tyson Fury. And Dilly has really long arms for his height. Still made no difference. Well, it doesn't it doesn't matter because Dillian can't find a way inside. And then he got frustrated. If you look yeah. at him in the fifth round, he was pissed because he was like, I can't. What do I do? Yep. And, and he, you know, Dillian comes from like a, 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 the hood back. And when he gets upset, 
he fights like he's upset. There's no yeah. composure there. No, rabbit punching, couple elbows. Tyson Fury headbutted the hell out of him, though. In one yeah. of those sequences, like, uh, hey, stop punching me. Bah. Cut him open with a headbutt. He's, he's too good. And he caught him with that uppercut, sent him to hell, retains WBC title. I mean, it went how I expected it to get. I thought it would go a little bit longer, but he's, Tyson Fury is the best heavyweight in the world, man. Nobody's beating that man. Not, do you not think, this version. Do you think, because Tyson Fury is a competitor one, above being a competitor, he's an asshole. In like the best way I can explain it. Um, do you think in his mind he was just like, AJ got him out in seven. I got to do it in six. Because oh. he didn't throw the uppercut, like, purposely. Then you get to the sixth round, and he's just like, AJ got him out in seven. I, maybe I just make a point. Uh, get him the hell out of here. No, I don't know. I don't think that really crosses mind. I thought it was more so that he found his opening and he just took it. You know, he had set the punch up for so long. I don't think – I don't even think Tyson knew what round it was when he knocked him out. He just knew that he was winning the fight, and he knew that he was setting up a big shot. And he knew it was like, oh, if he's going to just – if he's – if I'm not going to split his guard with a jab and he's going to lift his hands and give me space, just going to throw this uppercut and see what happens. And it was picture perfect. And then he gave him the bitch get off me shove. Oh, the shove was great. It was like – it was going to be like a timber moment anyway. But he was just like, ah, let me help you. Yeah, let me help you on your way down. That Tyson, Tyson Fury is the best heavyweight in the world. I don't know how Usyk handles him if they were to fight. And we'll talk about, I guess, next Tyson well, Fury saying he's retired. But before, before we go there, I want to start with this because during at the end of the broadcast, Tim Bradley, Joe Tessitore, and Mark Kriegel had a conversation about whether or not Tyson Fury is the best heavyweight of all time. And it got really interesting because Tim started by saying yes. Testator was like, the fuck out of here. You've lost your mind. They made an interesting point, though. I don't think Tyson Fury is the greatest heavyweight of all time. I think it's kind of ridiculous. Considering what Muhammad Ali did, you you can't just put Tyson Fury up there. Because, I mean, to be honest, Dillian White arguably has a better slate of opponents than Tyson Fury does. Yeah. Right? Tyson Fury is undefeated. He went, went to war with Deontay yeah. Wilder. The layoff hurt. Not getting the Klitschko rematch because of whatever was going on and then the drug problems, the layoff. It really well, robbed him of having... He, he would have got all the same people AJ got. All of them. Yeah, but I don't think it would have mattered, right? Because the state of the heavyweight division was not the state of the heavyweight division that Muhammad Ali fought in. Fair. Right? So it's like Muhammad Ali fought everybody. Yeah. Like the murder... And then he, he, he had to go away, come back, fought everybody. Record-wise, he's not Lennox. Record-wise. Yeah, like Tyson Fury and Lennox Lewis is a very good fight. Competitive. They'd be very competitive. Oh, are we talking people in the ring or are we talking records? Because if you put Tyson in the ring with any heavyweight ever, I might take Tyson Fury. Well, that, that's the, the argument here. The argument turns to there's a difference between being the greatest of all time to who can beat Tyson Fury. Yeah. This version of Tyson Fury, Muhammad Ali was like 6'4". Five inch, almost yeah. six inch height differential. That's that's hard to deal with. Joe Frazier was a midget. Mike Tyson would have got <laughs> Mike Tyson would have got murdered by Tyson Fury. Yep, murdered because he wouldn't have been able to hit him. He would have needed a step ladder to get get to his chin. I don't know if anybody can beat Tyson Fury. The problem is, is that he doesn't have the lineage of opponents to make him the greatest of all time. Yeah. When I watch that man in the ring, I'm like, I don't know who can beat him. I, yeah, I, have, like, I have no idea. 
to be fair, Shaq's not the best basketball player of all time or the best center of all time, right? No. But if you put him against every other center in a one-on-one scenario, I'm not sure who's stopping Shaq in a game of one-on-one. That's my argument for Tyson Fury. Like, Wilt's incredible. Hakeem is Hakeem. But if you take prime Shaq, like, who's handling that body? Like, as a center. Like, you can't stop him. Like, he's just that dominant force where it's just that mixture of skills, whatever, in a team dynamic, maybe other people want more championships, more people, they had better stats, longevity. Like, just the mechanics of it, no one's beating Shaq one-on-one as a center. And that's Tyson Fury to me. When you put him in the ring... No one's beating him. Now, Muhammad Ali is, is like Wilt. Like, yeah, they, they are better. You know, Lennox Lewis, to me, is a better heavyweight than Tyson Fury for his career. I don't think so. Here's why. Lennox Lewis, got, Lennox Lewis got knocked the fuck out by Hasim Rockman. Yeah, that and, was a really and, bad night. That's and so he weird. got knocked the fuck out by Oliver McCall, even though he came back and made him cry in the next fight. Okay. When he fought Klitschko... Lennox was losing that fight before the cut ended that fight. I would say Tyson Fury is better than Lennox Lewis. I'd say it gets complicated when you talk Ali, Frazier, when you start talking about, I mean, the, the one guy that, that sits out there that you're like, damn, I wonder what would have happened if he would have been in the game longer. It's Riddick Bowe. Riddick Bowe, yeah. Riddick Bowe. He was had all like, the tools. All the tools. And went yeah. to war with Evander Holyfield. Evander Holyfield was a great heavyweight. I think, I mean, I like Lennox, but Lennox was a little chinny. The one thing Tyson Fury's not is chinny. No. I mean, how good, I guess we'll get to this now before we talk Tyson Fury retiring. How good is Deontay Wilder? This is what comes of this. Okay. Because if Tyson walks away, now we're looking at this. How good is he? Because Dillian White has given other people problems, right? Like, we could even compare, like, an Usyk to a skill set of a Dillian White. Like, Usyk has trouble with people that size. AJ aside. And it's not like he beat the shit out of AJ. He just got a good decision, right? Like, he had AJ hurt, couldn't get him out of there. Like, what is Usyk at heavyweight? Just more talented than everyone. If you put him in the ring with Deontay Wilder, who dropped Tyson Fury what, twice in two different matchups? Like, I don't know. Deontay well, Wilder might still be the second best heavyweight in the world. Well, so here, here's where your comparison with Tyson Fury and Shaq is different. Deontay Wilder's more Shaq than Tyson Fury. Because if you remember, when Shaq went up against Akeem Olajuwon in the NBA Finals... That was Olajuwon, young Shaq, though. I'm just saying, Olajuwon... I, I'm, I'm talking like prime... But I'm just saying. Diesel Shaq. My, my point is, Olajuwon cooked his ass he did cook him. <laughs> he absolutely cooked Shaq and yeah. the reason why is, is Shaq was brute force just like Deontay Wilder brute force but if you have skill and finesse you can beat Deontay Wilder you just have to get past the fact that he might dunk on you tear the rim down and bonk you over the head with it that's who Deontay Wilder is Deontay Wilder's really good I'm I'm just a lot of people may not be able to stand up to that punch but a lot of people outbox Deontay Wilder Right, he's got the great equalizer. That a lot of people outbox him for a certain period of time. No one besides Tyson Fury has been able to outbox him for thirty-six minutes, and that where is the problem lies. Well, yeah. Like we've seen people outbox him for nine rounds. Oh, you're all so close, 
and then he sparks you and it's over. Yeah, One just, to me, Anthony Joshua, not even a conversation. I think he annihilates Anthony Joshua to the point he never, never fights again because he's chinny as it is against people who aren't big punchers. Deontay Wilder annihilates Anthony Joshua. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think Deontay Wilder wins. Uh, I, again, it's just like Deontay Wilder beat Luis Ortiz, knocked him out when he was losing the whole fight. Yeah, damn near seven rounds to nothing. If you are smart enough to stay away from Deontay, yes, he may catch you, but what if he doesn't? Right? Alexander Usyk has the skill set to beat a Deontay Wilder if he can stay away from the big punch. Deontay has fought good heavyweights, but like aside from Tyson Fury, like he beat Luis Ortiz, who's like 79,000 years old. Who else has Deontay fought? I'd like to see Deontay fight Andy Ruiz. I'd like to see how that would go. I'd like to see Deontay fight Dillian White. You know, um, there's Tyson a lot. Fury says Deontay should get the first crack at the WC belt if WBC belt if he vacates. Um, yeah. yeah, him and Andy Ruiz would be a great fight for that WBC title. And then it still gives you the option of a unific a big unification fight, right? Yeah. So um the question now becomes is Tyson Fury really retired? Because in the ring, he was very non-committal. He's talking big shit all week. In the ring, he was like, This might be my last. And then the post right presser, he went back to talking like it is. But he's never necessarily said, I'm retired. Here's my belt. Yeah, no, he's not doing that. I tell you, I never believed him. The boxers do a lot of things great. The worst thing they do is retire. Boxers can't, they don't know how. They just can't. He could retire. be different. He could be the Habib of this situation. But he's not. I don't think so. He's not. Habib retired because his dad passed and it was like, I'm leaving because of this. Tyson loves boxing. His retirement, it, there, there's a lot of moving parts here. Tyson Fury's retirement takes him away from WBC obligations, which now allows him to fight Francis Ngannou in an exhibition match and make a boatload of money with nothing standing in the way. But can Francis fight him due to UFC contracts? Yes, his contract's up in December. Not if he keep winning. He's Francis is not fighting, but he's not fighting. He's out. He's out. He said he's not coming back. If he stays out until uh, January 2023, his contract expires December 2022. And if he doesn't get an out clause in it to resign that he's allowed to compete, because it's not going to be a boxing match. They've already made this clear. Yeah, it's going to be... It's going to be some kind of weird-ass fucking yeah. exhibition. Like Ali versus Anoki. Anoki, yeah. Which like was it's going to be a horrible fucking fight. If anybody's ever seen that, it, it was the <laughs> worst thing I've ever seen in my life. But it's clear what they're doing is they're clearing the path for them to fight in 2023 in this mega fight. And then Tyson, who is, what, 31 years old, can turn around and go, eh, I'm oh, he's come 33. Back 33? Yeah. I'm going to come back and go get those belts after I make like $100 million fighting Francis and God. And Nganu can make all that money. And then if the UFC wants him back, yeah. But Francis Nganu could retire. He's going to make so much money. He's going to make 40 times more, probably, than his, than his UFC contract per fight yeah. in one, one night. Probably lose to Tyson Fury, whatever it is. But I, I see what they're doing. They're moving pieces out of the way. Tyson's like, ah, if I have WBC obligations, that means I got to fight. I don't have to now. I'm retired. If I'm Francis Ngannou, I'm like, I'm just going to wait this contract out. If Dana doesn't allow me to compete outside of the UFC, 
fuck it, I'm not resigning because I'm going to make so much money elsewhere. Fuck him, fuck them. We're going to do this big fight. Chances are, probably ends up at Allegiant here in Vegas. Probably. I like the idea that Francis posed today. Where he said, let's do it in Africa. Rumble in the jungle too. Yeah, Tyson ain't doing that shit. I mean, <laughs> Tyson, Tyson at his core is a fucking gypsy. He'll, he'll fight wherever you want. I know, but, he, but this if, is if a- If the money is there, but- This is a bag fight. What this is yeah, is a yeah. bag fight. It's either happening in Vegas or Saudi, or Saudi Arabia. <laughs> like this, there's two places that shit is they're happening. They're getting that Vince bag. Yeah, like he Tyson made it very clear. Like, oh yeah, I'm not ruling. Like, I want that Floyd Mayweather money. Yep. Right. Like, I want that bag. Quarter of the it. night. Quarter of the yeah. night in the post fight presser. I want that Mayweather money. And and you know the best part about it is, you you know Floyd heard that shit. Floyd, oh yeah. Floyd's like, where's Jake Paul at? Yeah. The price. The price just went up. Yeah. I, like, I, hold up. You don't if he if he announced he's fighting Francis Ngannou, I can almost guarantee you Floyd's looking for Jake Paul. Floyd you are somebody. not upstage me. Yeah, in my own shit, in my own exhibition fights. But yeah, man, they, Tyson, I don't. I think he'll 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 step back. He relinquish the belt after about six months. Let somebody else fight for it. Book his fight with Ngannou, and then watch. And then whoever is the if there's an undisputed champion, whenever the Ngannou fight happens, and he gets bored, he'll be like, "Let me go get those belts." For a I, lot of money. I will only agree with that if Alexander Usyk wins. Dude, if Joshua beats... Let, if let's Joshua say, beats Usyk, Francis can wait. Yeah. Tyson Fury's getting that 80 mil from Saudi, and him and Joshua are, are throwing down. There was a great quote. Um, I think Michelle Joy Phelps got it which she crushed coverage this whole week, by the way. Um, amazing job by her in the UK. But she talked to Tyson's wife. She was like, do you really believe he's going to retire? She was like, yeah, he wants to be at home with me and the kids. She was like, the only thing I think he'll come back for is that Anthony Joshua fight. If Joshua wins, I think it's on. And the parameters were already set. Yeah. So it's not like you got to negotiate shit. It was just the step-asides that didn't let it rock. That money's still there. That venue's still there. It's a matter of, let's just sign on the line. See you in October. See you in November. That, I mean, it's, it's, And then it's, Francis will be there regardless of what happens Francis next year. Yeah. Francis, he's still recovering from injury. If, yeah. Anthony Joshua, if Anthony Joshua knocks Usyk out, which is not outside the realm of possibility. No. Even if he, if he were, just wins. No, but I'm saying, if he were to knock Usyk out, It'd be a fever pitch for that fight to happen. Yep. And yeah, they could do it in Saudi, but they'll, they'll do it in the UK. They'll, do, they'll, they'll go back to Wembley. They'll break that record. They'll smash the 94,000. They'll just oh, open break it up. every record. Yeah. They'll, break, they'll break every record. It'll be the biggest heavyweight fight in UK history by a country mile. Arguably the biggest heavyweight fight in boxing history in terms of how many people come out. It's massive. Like AJ's still a fucking rock star. Yeah. That fight. But AJ has to do his thing. He has to beat Usyk in what seems like it's going to be July. Everything's on the line for AJ. Yeah, Tyson's so chilling. Chilling. He's going to make the money somewhere, somehow. Um, in the meantime, he's probably going to get the, the bag from WWE because SummerSlam's in the UK. And him and Drew Mack are just printing money. Well, SummerSlam's in Nashville. They're, they're doing Cardiff in September for the oh, first okay. time in like so 20, after. 30 years. Yeah, Okay, huge. yeah. And, and yeah, you could yeah. tell Maybe he just shows up at SummerSlam, talks some shit, 
and then you book that fight for Carl. Well, you can kind of tell how SmackDown moved this week that they're kind of expediting the Drew McIntyre Roman Reigns feud. Yeah. Like, let's get this out of the way so Drew ain't got yeah. shit to do when he can go work Tyson Fury. Yep. You can tell so, that's, that's going to happen. It's like inevitable. So, yeah, it's smart. So, I, I mean, again, everything is there for Tyson Fury. But what you said is right. He sits back, waits, and we just see how it plays out. But the money's going to be there. This ain't his last check. How about that? Fuck no, absolutely not. Like, yo, we ran, we ran a social post at Sporting News. It was like I was away, and they had already set it up when I came back. And they were like, uh, "Yeah, so we have a, a Tyson Fury retires social media post." It's like you better put a question mark on that motherfucker because I was yeah. like, "What?" Because there's no guarantees. I don't care what he says. I had a full breaking news graphic made up and everything, and then. When he said, I might not come back, they were like, all right, we're going to go with <clears throat> Tyson Fury retiring. I was like, y'all better not post that shit. I was like, no, 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 no. I was like, he was very non No, we're not running that. I was like, we'll just scrap that breaking news graphic. Just put it wherever you got to put it. We'll pull that out later if it happens. No, no, no. Just because it wasn't, again, it's not laying the gloves down. It's not no, like nothing ceremonial official. I think a big fight can Get him out. And really, I'm not celebrating your retirement when you're talking about exhibitions. Because in some way, shape, or form, you're going to be in a ring. Or an octagon. Kel, here's the question. Who was successfully retired in boxing? Very few. Well, they said it and you were like, yeah, you retired. Sugar Ray Leonard Leonard was a bitch. Like, Sugar Ray Leonard bitched up and was going to, like, I would fight Marvin Hagler, but I'm not because I'm retired. Then he waited a few years and came back and fought. Boxers don't retire. Hagler's the only one. Well, Hagler lost, but Hagler lost. It was like, fuck you, I'm out. Fuck you. Yeah, Hagler was like, I was cheated out of this win. I'm only going to fight if it is this rematch with Ray Leonard. And Ray Leonard said, I got the W, deuces. And Hagler was like, I'm only going to fight you. Ray Leonard was like, I don't know what the fuck to tell you. I'm fighting you. And Hagler never came back because no. he was just a man in his word. Yeah, he went to Italy and was like, and became rich in Italy like a movie star. But yeah, even, <laughs> even Hagler didn't say, I retired in the no. ring. No fighter has a fight in, in the ring. In the heat of the moment, they go, yeah, this is my last fight. And then somebody goes, I really believe you. You know how many times like Ali retired? Everybody retires like 10,000 times. Floyd retired, came back. Manny Pacquiao. times. Yeah. They all, they all retire. They're terrible at retiring. There yeah. should be a rule. This is where pro wrestling. always more money. This is where pro wrestling comes into play. It should be a rule, right? You win your last fight and you retire. And you lay down your gloves. And you got to give me that fucking belt that night. That's it. You're stripped that night. Like you can't, you can't go home with that shit and reconsider. No. You no. retire. It's over. We're playing. We're rolling the credits, bitch. Give me the belt. It's over. The you water mark pops shit. up. Yep. <laughs> you leave. Yeah. And then you can't Undertaker the shit either. Undertaker lost the Roman Reigns, laid down yeah. the gloves. Motherfucker came back. No, you give up all that shit. You're out of here. Go on. Right. Get out yeah. of here. Nah, they were that no one would ever retire. <laughs> Cause, no. Yeah, because yeah, they're they're not missing out on that money. Uh, man, great first segment. Let's hit our break, come back, and we'll talk about the boxing upcoming this week before we get out of here. It is nice to be back stateside, man. I've I've missed this. Can't wait to be in studio on Wednesday. You guys don't go anywhere. Be right back after this. All right, let's wrap this up by talking about 
more boxing. We have a big week coming up here in Vegas. More so for me, I'm packing. If you guys can like, if you're watching this, you can see like the box back there next to my closet because I'm moving in, I don't know, six days. So it adds even more to my plate. But Dre, DC, you know, possible DC's loss aside, thanks to producer Colt Bebe, this is always my favorite week of the year. This is my holiday. I tell people, like my wife knows it, she tells people all the time, this, I, I look forward to the NFL draft more than I do Christmas, more than my birthday, which is three weeks away. Like this is my celebration every year. I don't take off days at work. I always take the day after the draft off, always. Mostly because I play my, my mock draft game with my friends and we end up stupid drunk. So it's like a necessity. But this year I'm not because the draft is here in Vegas. Are you going to be down there for the festivities? Producer Cole, baby, I know where you're going to be. <laughs> in the Blue Wire Studios, Wynn Resort, all week. No. Um, <laughs> no draft no. stuff for Dre. No, no. I just, unless it was something that I really needed to do, no. And I got a newborn, so I need to, I just need to be at home. And I'm not big on the NFL draft like you are. Like, I used to, I used to be big. Best part of the season, Dre. Nah, I don't care about the NFL draft. I used to be big on the NBA draft. I used to be really big on the NBA draft. I was big on college hoops. I'm not as big on college hoops anyway, anymore. So the fact that it's here, I was like, eh, you can have it. I'll be at home. I'll be watching my White Sox lose or some shit. But uh, no, I'll be in the thick of it down at the Bellagio. They built the stadium on the fountains. I saw it. My Giants have two first round picks. Your Niners have no picks. So listen, we, man, you may end we, up with we, one pick. We can't talk about the Niners right now until Debo <laughs> s- says I'm re-signing with it. Like, okay, I'm staying. You might end up with one first round pick because someone will give you something for Debo. Nah, we can't. Nah, somebody got to talk some sense into Debo. Kansas City got two first rounders. Listen, listen. They might give you a first and a second for Debo. They're not. Here's why. We'll make this quick before we get into boxing. Here's why. Debo is still, he's he's only had like one like really good season. He's had been injured. Whereas Tyreek Hill has had multiple good seasons. The other problem with Debo, there's not too many places he can go where they can figure out how to use him. The best place he could go, and I hate to say this, is Green Bay. Yeah, Aaron, it's too close to you guys, though. It you is. guys aren't doing that. But it's like we can't – as much as Debo would like to have a trade, what we – how we utilize Debo, other teams can't run that kind of offense. Um, I mean, he can go to the Jets. They're not going to handle Debo right. No, staff came from San Fran, I familiar know. with him. Say like they came there yeah, dropped. I get it. Yeah, so like – there's people on the staff that know him. They could understand how to utilize him. They have two first round picks. They're not going to give you four, but they can give you 10. And you guys don't have a first round pick due to you guys picking a quarterback that we still haven't seen play. And there's no indication that he's going to play this year either. So he's going to play this year. <laughs> like, we'll see. At, there's no way that we're going to run Jimmy G out there for, for what was it, 17 games. It's not happening. Okay. Not maybe not say he might not start. You yeah. might not be your starting quarterback this year. So getting an extra first-round pick for Debo when you can get someone who's going to be cheap with your QB on a rookie deal. So you'll have your QB and your receiver fairly cheap for the next five years. You come and draft Drake London 
and just say, yo, he's a big body out of USC. And we're going to, we're going to roll with that and like see it. what we get. Listen, we were one game away from going to the Super Bowl, And a lot of that had to do with Debo. A ton. He was, right. a lot. he was running the ball, catching the ball. But again, you know, he's injury prone. And the way that you used him was like, we're going to use you up. Because there was no like load management. So they're like, yo, if we can get a first round pick top 10 before the wheels fall off of this kid. See, I, Vaya I Dios. I, it's, it's hard because you're a game away from winning the Super Bowl with a middle of the road quarterback, right? I feel like you got to try it for one more year. But you're going to start over. Because again, no matter how good this kid is, I don't think he's Joe Burrow good, by the way. But if he is, even if he's Russell Wilson good, it's still going to take like two more years to get to the Super Bowl. Like it's just a natural progression. It, it's, it's dangerous. It, it's, there's a couple things at play. Debo gets hurt this year. Stock falls, right? That's why you trade him now. <laughs> I don't want to trade Debo now. That's all we got. Well, we got Kittles too. But Debo, like if we're one game, like that's basically a rebuild. If we get rid of Debo now, we're saying, we got a rookie quarterback. Well, not a rookie quarterback. We have a young quarterback. Young we have quarterback. no receivers. We just take, have Kittles. Take Jamison Williams for Bama. Take the top off for Look, you. I'm just saying, when you're that close to the Super Bowl and then you really just fold and say, fuck it, we're rebuilding now, that's tough. Sir, you drafted a quarterback in the top three. The, I didn't tell him to do coming. that shit. But I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I didn't tell him to do that shit. And you mortgage all these picks. You're in the rebuild. It just so happens that you had a crazy-ass fluky season where Green Bay choked, and you won, like, crazy games just off of your defense and almost ended up in the Super Bowl. And we had one of the most dynamic wide receivers in the NFL. And let it go. And, be there. and we have a ridiculous running game, period. Cool. Lean on that. Lean on the tight end. Nah. Don't pay a quarterback. Get a rookie receiver and rock franchise tag that motherfucker. Do something. He's got to. St- <laughs> you don't play here whether you want to or not. <laughs> yes, like we got to do. Man, we can't lose Debo. So fuck the NFL draft because we don't have any picks, and I don't, I don't want to give up Debo for a pick because that'll be fucking bittersweet. That 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 shit will hurt my heart. Definitely go gone. I got a jersey in the closet. I need that American <laughs> Express card. That American Express card. Have you seen the commercial where your favorite player gets traded and, and Amex is like, oh, we'll replace the jersey? I need that shit. Yeah, I feel like this happens to you quite a bit. No, nah, it doesn't. I don't I don't really buy too many jerseys. I mean, Kaepernick was gone after you got like a couple jerseys. Yeah, but I still wear them. Who cares? It's Kaepernick. Oh, that's true. We got some but, replay. replay Debo, would, that. Debo would be different. That would hurt my soul. If Debo goes to like the Jets, and has a monster year, I would cry. Real yeah. <laughs> Listen, it may be in the cards, um, but I'll, I'll let you know because I'll be down at the draft on Thursday and Friday. And then Saturday, Shakur Stevenson versus Oscar Valdez here in Vegas at the MGM Grand, my favorite venue, for boxing. Should be a ton of draftees still in town. Um, never know with Jay Prince, who he's going to bring through. Last time it was Kanye. This is Vegas. Might get drizzy. You never know. Someone coming through the fight. Um, it's going to be exciting because it's not often we see two young fighters, not even in their prime. I can't even say in the prime. They're before their primes. Actually lining up both champions in a unification bout. Shakur has been chasing this for so long. Valdez looked amazing against Burchelt, even though Burchelt then got rocked by Nakathila. So I don't know what that is. But 
these are two of the best at 130 pounds main eventing in Vegas during the big weekend. What is your prediction for the fight? How do you see it go? I see this being a really fun fight, but I think that Shakur Stevenson is just, is just better in, in the sense that defense wins championships. Shakur doesn't get hit a lot. Oscar Valdez's his best weapon is his offense. Yep. He doesn't really avoid punch as well. So Shakur Stevenson can lure Valdez into making mistakes, which I think he'll do. He'll win this fight down the stretch. He could even stop Oscar Valdez. Because I'm not sure if Valdez is defensively smart enough to stop the barrage from coming. And Shakur seems like he's gotten more comfortable sitting down on his punches in his last few fights. Yeah. Right? I think Valdez will try to start off fast. I just don't know if Valdez's head will be in the game when he realizes, like, oh, shit, I can't hit him. It, it's, it's like the Floyd thing, right? When people fought Floyd... They start off four rounds, just balls to the wall. And then after that, they'd be like, fuck, I can't hit this guy. And then you make mistakes like Dillian White did and you get clipped. Score is not as big as a puncher as Tyson Fury, obviously. He could stop Valdez by making a mistake. But I think it'll be fun for about five or six rounds. It could be fun even longer than that. As long as Valdez's head stays in the game and he doesn't resort to getting desperate, I think it'll be a good fight. But I think Shakur Stevenson is going to win this fight. Either unanimous decision or he stops him late. Yeah, I think Shakur beats the brakes off him. I think um, Oscar Valdez's best fight the past three years was against Burchelt. Yes. And we all say now Burchelt was washed because Oscar Valdez caught him and the chin ain't the same and all this stuff. But Burchelt was in wars and the style was very one-sided, offensively minded before then. Took the guy, you know, that can exploit that to really make that happen. The other fights... Um, I think it was Consensal versus Oscar Valdez last September. Valdez barely won that fight. Many people had him losing that fight. Yes. After, fight. yeah, after um, he went through like the, the whole thing of testing positive and blah, blah, blah. His mind wasn't in it, whatever. Um, the fight before Burchell, he didn't look great. Jason Velez. Yep. Jason Velez. Yeah. Late, late notice gets dropped yep. in that fight. Has to come back up off the deck to then stop him. That wasn't his greatest performance. Like, you, you keep going through it. You're just like, he fights to the level of his competition, maybe, if you want to be positive about it. Or you can just say Burchell wasn't that good either. Like, right? Like, so you, you just don't know where you stand on it. And none of them are Shakur. Because no. Nakathila couldn't touch Shakur Stevens. Beat the brakes off of Burchell. So... When you look at that, I think there's just going to be levels to this. Is it going to be a stoppage? Maybe, maybe not. Oscar Valdez gets hit a lot. He bruises very easily. He had his jaw broken in that one fight, got through it. That person wasn't Shakur Stevenson, right? Like, so it's one of those things where he accumulates a lot of damage. His face always looks beat up after a fight, even when he wins. I don't think he's going to be able to inflict that same amount of damage on Shakur Stevens. So, if it's a decision, I understand. I think it's going to be like 10 to 2. Like, I think this is going to be a clear statement coming out victory. You mentioned Floyd Mayweather. Floyd had several of these on his way up, right? Where he's finding someone else who looks like a world beater, who's also undefeated. Every like two years, Floyd took one of these. And it was just like, okay, statement fight. Boom. Like that Castillo fight was statement fight. Um, was he fought Corrales, I think. Yes. And Corrales was like the man at yeah, the that time. Was, that was a coming out party. 
yeah. And it was him and DA. I beat the brakes off of DA. <laughs> and it was just like, what? Yep. Like, what the hell is going on here? Like, Diego's a way bigger puncher. He's on stop. Like, beat the brakes off. Like, this is that fight for Shakur Stevenson in my mind. And I think it goes much like that Corrales fight went for Mayweather. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the thing is, again, Oscar Valdez, he, does, he gets hit a lot. He gets hit a lot clean. Yep. He just happens to be stronger and more active than a lot of his opponents. Shakur is just, it's, it's different when you're fighting somebody who makes adjustments, who's defensively sound and can counterpunch. Valdez hasn't fought that yet. No. Nope. When he, we, he gets in there and he, re, and there's very few fighters that do that. I always say that that's the difference. Guys who can adjust on the fly are just different. Andre Ward did that. Floyd did that. There's a lot of fighters who come to fight. They just don't have a fucking plan B. Yep. And I don't think Valdez is going to have a plan B in this fight. If plan A ain't working, he's going to push more plan A. Yep. And Shakur is going to pick him off and could get ugly late. But we'll see. But I think I think Shakur is going to win this fight. And once again, we have to have this conversation. Like, well, shit, how good can Shakur Stevenson be? As long as his head stays in the game, the guy's I don't the know, I don't know yeah. who can beat him. And then we have on the other side of the U.S., MSG. One of the biggest women's fights in history, if not the biggest. It's the biggest. I mean, Layla. Nah, it's bigger. It's It's pretty damn big like accolades, maybe not name power, right? Like, because how do you get, you know, bigger than that fight? Um, but accolades, achievements, sure. Biggest fight in women's boxing. Katie Taylor versus Amanda Serrano, headlining MSG, main building. The card is actually pretty good as well. Yes, it is. Um, so it, it's just one of those, man, I mean, Neither are like super young anymore. This is like what this is like their fight. Like this is the fight for them. They are the zone with one of their weird graphics. They did um <laughs> and shout out to the social team. Just sometimes it just boggles my mind. But they did like women's pioneers of boxing. And then uh stuck these these two on there. And I was like, I guess I can rock with it. Like, cause they're old enough to have pioneered some shit. But it's still like kind of a reach. Like they put them on there with Chrissy Martin, with Layla Ali, with, um, you know, Ann Wolf, like stuff like that. I was like, yeah, it's a little bit different. But all right, sure, if you want to call them pioneers. But they're definitely that that last class before we see Olympian boxers, right? Like these these women who have been there from 2012, 2016, 2020 have known nothing but Olympic boxing, amateur boxing, and have always had that opportunity like okay i'm turning pro there's like multiple promotions all this stuff there's that new wave the clarissa shields the um, i mean even savannah marshall is in that we just see michaela mayer not too long ago like they're all in that wave serrano katie taylor were right before that wave yeah i mean katie taylor's olympic gold medalist though so no yeah but she didn't get a chance to get like two or three no i mean what you want that at like 28 yeah, but nobody did except for Clarissa to be clear. Like, yeah, Clarissa's that, the only she's that's she's, fair. But she won I I think she won that gold medal at like 28. Yeah, 27, no, she, was she was definitely yeah, like yeah. so like she had to wait a while. Like yeah. the accolades would be even greater if she could have fought in the Olympics at like 19, like Clarissa did. Yeah. She might have had three. She might have been on some like Cuban boxer Loma type shit. Like Loma got two. Like she could have, you know, just made her career out of doing that. 
But um, same thing with Serrano. Like she could have fought and would have been amazing fighting for Puerto Rico. Probably would have won gold for them too. But I think now we haven't ranked one and two in the world on ESPN. I still think Clarissa is number one, but whatever. Yes, she's two division. You, <laughs> I'll just read a champion. It's ridiculous. But currently, just due to activity and recent opponents, Serrano's two, Katie Taylor's one. I love the matchup. I just think, you know, we've seen Katie Taylor against Pursuit twice. We've seen some of our more recent fights. She's been getting hit a lot more. She hasn't had the clear dominant wins like, like I've seen out Serrano. Maybe the competition is a little higher, but it's still like all of these are close fights, and I don't think any of them are Amanda Serrano. So give me Amanda Serrano to win this close, but maybe like seven rounds to five. I mean, it's in MSG. I think, you know, it's not like she's overseas going to get the shaft by the judges. I think they'll call it straight. So give me Serrano to win this one. And hopefully we get a rematch. I wouldn't mind I, the draw. I wouldn't mind the draw. I hate that this there's too many rounds for this fight. I hate that there's only 10 rounds. Yeah, I like I hate it. So point out a couple of things. Katie Taylor's opponents are combined 309, 60, and 12. Winning percentage of anti Jake Paul. The winning percentage right. of 81.1%. <laughs> Tommy Fury. Yeah, she's anti Tommy Fury. Amanda Serrano's opponents. 549, 288, and 41. Only 62%. Not horrible. Not horrible, not good. Right? I think Katie Taylor's only fought one fighter who had more than 10 losses on their record. And that was her debut. Wow. Amanda has fought 12 people with more than 10 losses. It's very different, right? But the reason why I wish this was three-minute rounds is because I think Amanda has an opportunity to hurt Katie, but I don't think she'll have time to finish her. Correct. And that's going to be a huge issue in this fight. Katie Taylor's a very good boxer, but she doesn't knock out anybody. I think her KO percentage is like 30%. Like, it's not good. She's a very good boxer. But as women's boxing goes, you don't have enough time to knock people out. But Amanda Serrano knocks a lot of people out. Second ever to Chrissy Martin. Her and Chrissy, Chrissy Martin literally fought cab drivers and bombs. Yeah. Right. Chrissy has 32 knockouts. Amanda Serrano has 30. She's chasing her for number one all time. Yeah. And she knocks out almost 75% of her opponents. Yeah. Amanda Serrano like stops everybody's fight. Granted, they're not that good, but she's showing power. It's a tough fight to call. I hate this two minutes. I hate this 10 rounds. I'm going to pick Amanda because I feel like there'll be a couple rounds that'll be more definitive for Amanda because she might clip Katie. And that'll be the difference because I think with these scorecards are going to end up being all over the place. Yeah, I don't think either fighter is going to dominate this fight. <laughs> no. But I, I think the, the rounds that Amanda wins will be very clear. Where the rounds that Katie wins will be, ah, I'm not sure. And it'll lead to like, a, we'll get a 7-3 scorecard for Katie. We'll get a 6-4 for Serrano. But I think Serrano will find a way to pull this out. Um but I, the funny thing is, I, I don't care who wins. Clarissa Shields is still the number one pound for pound women's fighter in the world. I don't even know how we're still having this debate. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand that. Yeah, I don't care. Like, people are going to say, well, the winner should be number one pound for pound. Does the winner have two Olympic gold medals? Yeah. No. Is the winner undisputed in, like, two weight classes? I Look, I think Katie Taylor is great. But I watched, Katie Katie Taylor, I watched Katie Taylor have a really fucking hard time with Delphine Pursun. I thought she lost the first fight. Yeah, I, th- I think Amanda Serrano is great. But Amanda Serrano hasn't really fought anybody. Yep. Right? 
I think Clarissa Shields fought Dejan Cruz, who is fighting for an undisputed title <laughs> in the co-main event of this card. Yeah. And Clarissa beat her in a, yeah. pro, in a pro debut. Clarissa's still the best woman in the world, but this will be a hell of a fight. I'm glad it's happening. I would be there if it wasn't for Shakur and Oscar Valdez being in my backyard. I would be yeah. in New York for that fight. But I'm picking, Amanda, me too. I'm picking Amanda Serrano to win this fight. I think it'll be really good, though. I'm actually glad that... <laughs> look, man, you can hate Jake Paul all you want. This fight doesn't happen without Jake. Yeah. It just doesn't happen without Jake Paul. When it was supposed to happen, the money was different. The money was funny for Amanda. Jake rolls a profile through the roof. And now she's getting paid when she's supposed to be getting paid, which is two women getting seven-figure deals. That's that's the way it should be. But, yeah, I'm picking Amanda. I wonder if they'll have a rematch if it's close. I'm very curious about that. I think they should. It, what else are they do? Yeah, it's going to be too much money to pass up, right? Like, you, you have to do it. And then maybe if Katie does win, I mean, there's always the possibility of going up and just tying your hand at 147 because you already beat the champ. but. Um, I don't know. It's tough. You got to run it back. There's no money like that money. I mean, they have. Really if Katie have, wins, then you got to take it to the UK and run it back. They have no one else to fight. Like no. it, this is like this is like the the end game of yep. their careers, right? And anything that happens after this, like a post credit scene, it's like, all right, well, <laughs> we're gonna set up what's next. And then, but in that post credit scene, it's like Alicia Bumgarner and Michaela Mayer. And Savannah Marshall, Clarissa Shields, because these two, I, there's nothing else for them to do after this but no. fight each other. So I mean, Serrano, Serrano, only thing after this, if she wins, is chasing the eight divisions and tying back. Yeah, yeah, she could chase that, but they know. I mean, the money is probably in the rematch if it's close to competitive, which I, I just hope it's a good fight. Ah, uh, damn, I think they do. They walk at the same time as Shakur and Valdez. No, they're gonna stagger them. Oh yeah, that's right. Who said that? Bob said it or Eddie said it. Eddie, I think. Good. Bob was they'll they'll go first because they're on the East Coast. Yeah, Bob wasn't going to say this shit. Bob was like, fuck them bitches. Like, I, I know that's how Bob thinks. He's horrible. Like, he was like, nobody watches women fighting. I, I need him to stop doing that shit and give the women the credit. He, he got Michaela Mayer. Relax. Yeah, she just resigned. She headlines every fight now. So like, yeah, let the women li- let the women live. Like, um, Bob, decrepit ass. Sorry. Yeah, so if Katie Taylor wins, she already has a win over Jessica McCaskill. She can go oh, into 147 run and run it back. Try to become undisputed at 147. Jessica's such a different fighter within the first time we fought Katie, though. Yeah. And the size, I mean, it'll be crazy. Amanda Serrano could dare to be great and chase Jessica McCaskill. And 147 would give her eight divisions and double undisputed. Yeah. Not then you have shit. a conversation about being the number then, one women in the world. Then, then yeah. you're up there. And I'm sure Jake Paul can find the money to entice Justin McCaskill. Of course he would. Into a fight. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting. We'll, we'll see how all that plays out. That's pretty much all we have, you know, today for boxing. I'm going to get some rest because jet lag is about to kick my ass here in a second. You know, 11-hour flight straight home, straight into the pod. Uh, it's, it's for you guys. So, hopefully you guys enjoyed it, all the boxing talk. On Wednesday, we're going to talk hip-hop. Push a T's album came out. Um, so I want to talk about that. Cam has a new single that is crazy, even though I know the old man is not the biggest Cameron fan. But I love to see dip, Dipset people winning. Jim Jones had the single with Migos, and now Cam. We're bringing it back. Harlem stand-up. Um, I was listening to nothing but grime music and and craziness in London. It was just, I had, like, Skepta, and then young kids, like, Central C on repeat. 
Uh, yeah, so I, all that's in my brain. So we'll talk music on Wednesday and then get into MMA. We'll have a cool MMA interview um, for the UFC and then recap all the stuff Dre's missed in the UFC since being gone and give our predictions for the upcoming card. So that's going to be a fun show as well. Producer Cole Bebe, thank you for holding it down for us again. I'm randomly going to just pop up and play the guitars in the background of your crib one day. So you're just going to come home and just be there, just like play an acoustic that's, set. That's that's like your next uh, whatever whatever promo you have you have to come come with after after the uh, the DC. Yes, uh, that that's where it's going to start. We're going that's to gonna, we're going to be like Elias. Yeah, we're yes, going to I'm, walk with Cal. Be just a drifter gimmick. He's not using it anymore. <laughs> like, so I'll just cut those well, I mean, you know, things. he's just not he's just not there because you know his younger brother's there. It's just his yes. younger brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, know. yes, not at all the same. So guy. When this when if I if if ever if ever I were to cut this hair, I would do it. I'd shave the beard too, and then would just say like, "Oh, I'm Paul." <laughs> come in and pr- producer paul baby and everyone would be really if you really 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 uh, really, really go for it you know it's you know hey let's let's just let's just run it sure let's get weird let's all get weird wwe storylines we're gonna cover all of them the good the bad and fucking the craziest shit that i've ever seen <laughs> oh man so no we appreciate all of you for listening make sure you guys tune in like i said on wednesday in the meantime follow us on social media at Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter, at Corner Club for Life on Instagram. Check us out on YouTube, the Corner Podcast. You can see this um, show up there later on in the week. You can follow me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hale. Producer Cole Bebe is at Coltrane, C-O-A-L-E on Twitter. Hit us up. Talk to us on there. Cole loves it. I'm sure everyone's going to be gloating about this stupid bet and to see what comes next after if if I have to retire the DCs, Brooklyn can come back from 3-0. Let's, let's keep hope. Let's keep hope alive until it happens. Uh, in the meantime, we appreciate you all. Stay safe. We'll see you at Blue Wire Studios on Wednesday. We're out. Peace. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.